the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Yes, it is. It's the Nick D Podcast, and I am your host, Nick DeGilio. Thanks for checking us out. Episode number 58. It is a Friday, and if you're listening to us on Friday, that would mean you're listening to us on Friday, August 5th, which means today is the start of the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention, the 20th anniversary celebration, of which I am going to be a host and a moderator and an introducer and just an all-around maniac spending my entire weekend there with all the horror film freaks at the Hyatt Regency um, uh, O'Hare in Chicago, in Rosemont, uh, the Hyatt Regency O'Hare. And uh, we are there all weekend, uh, this day, today, Friday, August 5th, all the way through the 7th. Get your tickets at flashbackweekend.com. Tons of amazing stars and tons of amazing events. And the very first live recording of the Nick D podcast, live in front of a crowd. That includes you. So get your butt there, because that's tomorrow, Saturday, August 6th. 12.30 p.m. in Ballroom AB, the big Rosemont Ballroom. Pack the place. All of you who are listening to this right now, I expect you to be there on Saturday, August 6th, Hyatt Regency O'Hare in the big ballroom to be a part of the very first ever live Nick D podcast. Esmeralda Leon will be there, special surprise guests, uh, and all kinds of really cool stuff. Flashback weekend. It's going to be a busy weekend, and I hope you can make it out. Flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and thank you for being a part of the podcast. If you would like to be a part of this podcast, any questions, any comments, any feedback, anything at all, we love to hear from our subscribers and our listeners. Leave us a voicemail message. We encourage it. Please do. 773-417-6948. You can leave us an email as well, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the themes and the songs and the weirdness and the awesomeness. My thanks to everybody at Radio Misfits for being a part of the podcast. Ed, my main man, Ed, putting it together, getting it out there. And when you are checking us out at RadioMisfits.com, please check out all the other incredible podcasts. Take the time to rate, review us on every platform. Uh, the Nick D Podcast is available on every single platform out there. And uh, get some feedback, give us some feedback, rate, review us. And also, if you want to advertise with us, be a sponsor. Be a part of the Nick D Podcast. Advertise. You'll, you'll reach a lot of people. Get those ads on here. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Send your uh, request to be a sponsor, to be an advertiser. Sales at radiomisfits.com. So that's all coming up. And speaking of Flashback Weekend, one of the guests who will also be live with me and Esmeralda on stage Saturday afternoon during the live podcast, PJ Souls is going to join us right after uh, this segment here. Tremendous, great actress who's been in some legendary movies. I mean, my God. I mean, John Carpenter's Halloween. She was in Carrie, uh, uh, Rock and Roll High School, 
uh, Breaking Away, Stripes. It just goes on and on. An amazing actress, really awesome, has so many great stories. I've known her for a long time. We've become buds. I've known her for almost 20 years now. She's been to Flashback Convention in the past a few times, and I've got to know her through that. And uh, she's a great guest. She's a wonderful person. She'll be a part of the Flashback Weekend. Uh, and uh, and we're going to chat. So she is a guest right here after uh, after uh, after we talk here for a couple of seconds. The great PJ Souls will be on this podcast. And then my partner, Esmeralda Leon, will join me. Uh, we're going to talk about some more scary facts. And we were talking about terrible TV shows. That got us off on a tangent on the weirdest and craziest and most ridiculous reality shows of all time. Well, we're going to get back to that insane... Uh, list of terrible TV shows. And by the way, if you ever want to jump in with any of the of, of the topics, like I, we would love to hear from you. What do you think are the worst TV shows of all time? Maybe TV shows that you watched when you were a kid, or TV shows that you watch now that are just terrible, and that you watched that you went, why am I watching this? this? Is the worst show ever? If you've got some of the worst TV shows ever that you want to share with us, voicemail it seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. Email it nickdpodcast at gmail So Esmeralda will join me a little bit later on. And PJ Souls will join me as well. And oh, look who's joining now. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know, I know. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I love you too. And by the way, Steve Miner, who is uh, one of the guests at Flashback this weekend, who is a filmmaker who directed Halloween H2O, he directed Friday the 13th Part 2 and Part 3. By the way, Friday the 13th Part 3 will be screened tonight, Friday night, uh, 9 o'clock, and I'll introduce it with Steve Miner. Uh, I'm going to be doing his Q&A. He directed an episode of Felicity. So, Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Carrie knows Steve Miner. So uh, I'll definitely ask him about that. So that's all coming up. uh, And uh, immediately after this, let's get to it. The one, the only, the legendary PJ Souls. After I tell you, congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision. You've made today It makes the other podcasts Seem like crap Oh yeah Don't be a jagoff Okay, I couldn't be more excited. As you know, uh, today is, in fact, today is, in fact, the first day of a flashback uh, weekend horror convention, which is a, celebrating its 20th anniversary, and I've been a part of it since the beginning because I'm old, and I'm very excited uh, to, to be a part of it. It's going to be a great weekend all the way across the board, but one of, my, one of the highlights of the weekend will be getting to see, in person again, uh, one of my favorite actresses who I had on my show several times when I was with uh, The Car Wash, um, and, uh, and I love having her on and, uh, let's just say hello to, uh, the great, uh, PJ souls. PJ, how are you? I'm great. I'm totally great. Totally. <laughs> Might as well throw that in right away. <laughs> so everyone knows who I am. <laughs> Get that one out of the way right away. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's been so long. I mean, I, you know, I've, I had the pleasure of, uh, meeting you, God, what, like 18, 19 years ago for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I guess it wasn't the first show that I was at, but I it guess was it was maybe the second. The I, second my daughter one. was in high school and now yes. she's a mother of two kids. She's a mother of two kids. Is your daughter <laughs> yes. the mother of two kids? Really? That's right. <laughs> can I, can I share? And I've, I think I've shared this with you before, because over the years we've talked and we've kept in contact, which is also very lovely. And of course, insane to me that if you would have told 13 year old Nick DiGilio that, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, 20 years after seeing Halloween, he would be in contact with PJ Souls. That would have blown 13-year-old mind <laughs> of Nick DiGilio. 
<laughs> uh, but they, as part of that second flashback convention, they screened Halloween at this movie theater called The Pickwick, if you remember. Yes. And I was accompanying you, and I introduced you on stage, and you introduced the film, and then we sat in the back, and it was me and you and your daughter, who, as you said, was a teenager at that time. Yes. And, I, and I watched the movie, which is, of course, a surreal experience to actually watch Halloween with PJ Souls sitting next to me. But it was very interesting when your topless scene came up with your teenage <laughs> daughter. <laughs> with, not, not so much of a topless scene. Everybody seems to make a big deal out of it, but it was really a quick little see anything you like. And I remember doing it ultra quickly because I knew that my parents would be watching this scene yeah. at some point. So. Yeah. Well, I know it's quick, and trust me, I was 13, and I, and I was like, wow, that was too quick when I first saw it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but, but I rest like, my case. <laughs> but, but sitting with you and your daughter, it seemed, yeah. interminable, it seemed interminable. Uh, uh, and, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she's got two kids now. How many, yes. how many, how many, how many grandkids do you have now? Well, uh, she has a she has a daughter named Jade who's five, and she has a little boy River who's one, and then my son uh, he lives in Virginia. He's a commander in the Coast Guard, and he's got seven year old uh, Carly Jane named after me, Pamela Jane, Aww. and little Chase Chase Jeffrey who's four. So I've got four a boy and a girl from each of my my boy and girl. So yeah, that must make you that's wonderful. That's got to put you over the moon, right? It's totally the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, welcome to the podcast. I am. Uh, this is my, you know, uh, uh, my first year doing a podcast. I was with WGN Radio for a very long time, and I'm not going to go into what happened there. But I am now doing my own thing, and I'm so thrilled that you're a part of it. Uh, and it's always been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, Flashback Weekend, this is, I think, your third flashback, is it? Um, I think it would be the third, yes, because yeah, I did I think- come back. After the time with my daughter, I don't think she came with me the next time, but right, yeah, but it's always been fun, and uh, I'm so glad to be returning or coming back to flashback. Yeah, to flashback. <laughs> um, do you like do Do you like doing the convention stuff? Is that fun for you? Absolutely. The only part that's not fun, of course, is the traveling, and it's uh, getting worse and worse, as we all have heard and know. Uh, but hopefully that'll calm down. But uh, yeah. I think the flight from L.A. to Chicago nonstop, so I'm happy about that. But actually being at the convention, meeting fans who have perhaps you know met me a few times or met, uh, haven't met me, um, I'm always uh, excited to hear their stories. And everybody has their own unique story and the best thing about it is it seems to be a family thing so they if they watch horror movies if they watch rock and roll high school if they watch stripes whatever the movie it, it, they tend to want their kids to to, to see it and also yeah. their grandkids so it's really a family affair and everybody's always surprised when i tell them that that's the way it is at conventions people go oh these people are they creepy or i go no they're the most wonderful people you ever meet you know it, it and i'm sure you've probably met him uh you know doing the the convention circuit um i'm you know lance hendrickson does a lot of the conventions yeah and uh lance has been you know a guest several times at flashback and he during the q a that i was doing with him and and again i got to know lance pretty well um he he calls us uh our us convention goers he calls us the tribe and i thought that that was a really kind of an apropos name um you know where we all are part of this tribe and it's and as you mentioned pj it's not creepy at all it's really wonderful i've never felt more love or more welcome or more more welcoming than I do during that weekend. And I'm, and I know exactly. That that's and it's that. also because, you know, these movies, obviously, they're shown within the home. And then they're also shown as kind of a, a regular thing, like every Halloween, people put on Halloween. And so you're invited into everybody's house, and they get to know you. And so to meet 
the people that are in these movies is very exciting for for mm -hmm. for them and for for me to get to meet them too. So when you when when you do the conventions, do you ever are you ever surprised at some of the stuff that people have you sign? Are there specific things where you're like, where did you get that? Where did that come from? What are some of the more unique things you've come across? <laughs> Absolutely, see anything you like. No, <laughs> <laughs> I sign a few of those pictures. Do you? Uh, I bet you do. The, yeah. Like I don't sell those, but where'd you get? <laughs> but uh, no, I have signed people's bodies. Uh, mm -hmm. There are tattoos of me on uh, on different parts of different people's uh, yeah. bodies, and they want my signature on uh, T-shirts. Uh, obviously, posters. Some posters from around the world that I've never seen. Mm -hmm. uh, figures. You know, uh, Fright Rags now has the 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 little Lindas that they're uh, that they put out along with the. Lori and the Michael Myers figures. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there, it, it just doesn't end. It's 40 yeah. plus years and uh, the, the products just keep coming out. <laughs> is, it, is it surprising to you? I, and I, I believe I told you this story because Halloween was the movie that literally uh, it, it changed my life. It changed the focus on what I wanted to do with my life at the age of 13. Wow. Um, when I saw Halloween, I was 13 years old. My father took me to see it uh, at the uh, Chicago Theater in the Loop downtown. Uh, it was the first Sunday in November of 1978. Um, and I, by that point, I had seen everything, PJ. My dad was not shy about that. I was eight when oh. I saw the I saw the Exorcist when I was eight in the theater. Wow. Cool uh, dad. Yeah. Very <laughs> cool dad. And he's actually he's you know, he's still a part of this podcast. He tells jokes every Tuesday on my podcast. Oh, that's great. He's jokes an, with dad on he's Tuesday. He's an 80-year-old he's an 80-year-old guy who bags groceries at a grocery store to keep busy and he tells jokes. Me and, he, and he drives my he still drives my mom nuts like telling jokes all the time. <laughs> so I have him on every week, but anyway, he took me to a ton of movies that were very inappropriate. Like I said I was 8 when I saw The Exorcist. Um <laughs> and so took me to see Halloween and I was a horror film fanatic at that time and I literally I, I just was like, oh, my God, I don't, this is, and I had seen so many movies at that point, but none of them hit me the way that that movie did. And I remember walking out of the movie theater and walking up to the outside where they had the posters and looking for the director's name wow. and going, now I know what a director does. And that was the movie that showed me what a director did. And it was really, you know, like it was life changing for me. And now... You know, is it, it to you? I mean, can you believe that it's still continuing? I mean, you know, I mean, they're making all this. They've, they've got Halloween Kills is coming out or Halloween Ends is coming out in October. Um, and that this thing is still all these years later, 40 something years later, it's still this incredibly vital new thing. Is that I mean, how surprising is that for you? Um, very surprising. I find it fascinating. Of course, the three new, the trilogy does help to keep it alive. And yet, regardless of how many they make, and hopefully this is the end, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. uh, the first one is still everybody's favorite. So I'm blessed and grateful and lucky to have been in that one because that's the one that uh, was the forerunner to anything that came afterwards. But uh, I'm very happy that, you know, they included me in some little homage way in all three of these uh, yeah. new Halloweens. So that yeah. was that was very nice, even though it was a voiceover or a picture. It's something, you know, so yeah. I'm, uh, I feel uh, uh, included in the new Halloweens as well. I'm with you on the fact. I'm not going to get into how I feel about the new Halloween movies, PJ, because <laughs> um, it's not positive. It's not positive at all. But uh, okay. I, I'm, I, I agree with you 100%. You are in the best one. And as far as I'm concerned, it should have been the only one. That's just me. That's just I me. I know. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, people do like Halloween 3. So. I love Halloween 3. I so will say that. Go. I don't so. count. I don't I don't count that one really because that's just a cra That's an insane ass movie that I really love. Right. Um, but, you know, out of the Michael Myers mystique, it, it is a great film. Oh, well, you know, since we're talking about Halloween, there's a lot of movies I want to talk to you about that I always love talking to you about. 
But how did Halloween uh, uh, come to you? Let's 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 hear the story on how you got the part. Well, it was an audition, but uh, and I had been in Carrie, so I yeah. think John Carpenter had seen me in Carrie and thought of me for the part of Linda because unusual in those days or even now probably to read with a director and I read with John Carpenter my agent said you're going to meet the director of this film I didn't you know in those days you didn't really get the whole script yeah. you just got your part you were hoping for anything right. it didn't matter right. please let me get this part and I read with him it was really funny and uh, at the end he said uh, do you want the part and I go really he said mm -hmm. yeah you're the only one that read the word totally right and I said how else would you say totally he said well that's why you're getting the part <laughs> now will, will you stay and help me pick out your boyfriend so we had three guys out there and I read with all of them and, and we agreed on John Michael Graham who actually brought those glasses to the audition so those were no kidding I don't know, he, he had in his mind I don't think they were real glasses he for some reason thought he needed a prop <laughs> That's amazing. But he just had a nice, so we had a nice rapport together, nice chemistry. So. Well, you guys are going to be together uh, uh, this exactly. weekend. Exactly. And, and, and uh, John Michael Graham, and he's going to be up on stage with you and me and my partner Esmeralda when we do your Q&A uh, live as part of my, my podcast, which I'm going to be doing I live. know, and he, and he promised me he's going to bring me my beer. <laughs> <laughs> you only had to wait 40 years for it. It better be, a, it better. It's not cold. No, I was going to say, it better not, it better not be a, it better not be a Schlitz at this point. It better be uh, something else. <laughs> but uh, but so but John Michael Graham, uh, I can't wait to meet him. I'm very excited. Um, you know, I mean, he hasn't done really anything else movie wise. But I was reading about him. You know, in prep for the Q and A that we're going to be doing on the weekend, um, he did a drag show. He did a show in drag that he like produced and directed and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know. I, I know that after uh, our, our 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 fun time on Halloween, I think he moved to Orlando and became part of the whole Disney World acting group over there for yeah. I think twenty thirty years. So yeah. well, that's, I'm gonna, uh, I, that's where I, his life led him. I read a little tidbit that he did a show in drag, and I can't wait to talk to him about it. So that's going to be something. <laughs> uh, but but John Michael Graham will be there along with PJ Souls. Uh, you guys will be reunited doing photo ops yes. together. And photo ops. He's separately. the nicest guy ever. Yes. It'll be great. So make sure you check it out when you go to flashback. Now we were talking about Halloween, and when you got the part, I just want, one of the things that I that I always talk about when that I always want to mention when I talk about Halloween is how much because everybody talks about Carpenter, you know, and how amazing it was that he created this whole thing. But uh, the contribution that Deborah Hill made to Halloween, I think, needs to be mentioned anytime anyone talks about Halloween. Um, Absolutely. And I'm always excited when people wear Deborah Hill t-shirts, which I've yeah. seen. I love that. And uh, for me, the making of a Halloween, it was a 50-50 between yep. John and Deborah. They were always in a huddle. They were whispering to each other. They had the sweetest relationship. And to me, it was completely a 50-50 uh, a situation. I, yeah. uh, to me, she was directing as much as John and giving her suggestions. And I heard afterwards, of course, too, like everyone else, that she wrote the dialogue for the girls. Right. She threw in the totally there. So, you know, and I did tell John and Deborah, I'm going to push it. I'm going to try to say totally more times than is in the script. And if it gets annoying, please let me know. But he never did. They never did. So, yeah. but Deborah was really the heart of the filming of Halloween. So, I, yeah. And, and I, and, and it's really important that people realize that. And I, I what, what I want to say about that and what she added, you, you said she wrote the dialogue uh, for the ladies, for the girls in the, in it. One of the great things, one of the strength of, of, of Halloween, in my opinion, is just how strong those female characters are and that friendship, the friendship between them is one of the highlights of the movie. And, and, and how much of that, I mean, you, you know, you guys became friends, you and Nancy and Jamie became friends. 
um, and everything. And, you know, working with Deborah, what was it like to add that sort of female element to the film? Well, this is what's curious about making movies. There's a sort of magical element to it because we had never met before. It was Jamie's first movie. She was really nervous and scared. She was 19. Uh, Nancy already had a child. Uh, you know, I was much older too uh, and uh, had done already ca Carrie and a, a few other, you know, movies of the week and uh, guest star on television shows. But, and Jamie, even though she came from Hollywood royalty, she still, this was her first big part yeah. and uh, very nervous. But we had the first day, which I think was the day after I auditioned, we met at the at the same casting offices and we took all those uh, pictures that uh, that people see now that Kim Gottlieb uh, took the pictures of the three of us sitting on the steps. That was the first time we met, and we just started giggling. And like I said, the magic of uh, making movies, for some reason, it just sort of you, it, it infiltrates you that you've known each other your whole lives, you're going to high school, you suddenly became, become Linda, Annie, and Lori. And uh, I just love that about movies. And from day one, we acted like silly little high school girls and just all we wanted to do was giggle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, but, but, but uh, uh, you know, but what's amazing about that is the gravitas that it added to that film. Like, you really cared about these three. Like, all of the, all of the, yes. you know, the, all of the slasher movies that came out after, all the ripoffs that came out after Halloween, uh, the girls were secondary. Like, they came in, take off your top, get stabbed. But the thing is, in Halloween, that relationship between the three of you guys was so genuine, and it added so much to, like, when those characters were in danger, you really cared, you know? I mean, Well, it, thank you, and I think as usual, as, as typical, I think, in, in terms of friendships in high school, we all had our distinct personalities. It's one of the things that I didn't particularly like about Rob Zombie's Halloween. I, I felt that the three girls really had the same kind of temperament and personality, whereas Annie was one type of girl. Linda obviously was the one that was smoking and already had a boyfriend and, you right. know, willing to do the dirty deed. And, uh, right, and Lori right. was completely naive and innocent and still babysitting. <laughs> yeah. But we were all friends and we all respected and, and cared about one another. And yeah. it, is, it was very genuine. Yeah, well, if, if it's one of the things that sets that movie apart from, uh, you know, anything else on so many levels. Uh, and you guys shot that. How long did it take to shoot the movie? I mean, obviously, you know, nowadays you look back at that and you go, how the hell did this thing get made? I know, absolutely, because Carrie was uh, about two months, and, and then this was 21 days, as was Rock and Roll High School, so I'm the, I'm the queen of the 21-day shoot. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is I, now? Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is, uh, it's, and uh, you better know what you're doing uh, on the first yeah. take, and, and really, three takes was about the most, and back in those days, I always tell everybody, they weren't seeing what they were getting. They had to hope and yeah. pray that when they watched dailies that night or the next day, that there wasn't a mess up with the, the lighting or, you know, something going wrong with the camera or the dialogue that the, the uh, script girl didn't catch. But yeah. for the most part, uh, that was what was beautiful about the shoot. And it was because I think the atmosphere that, that Deborah and uh, John and also Dean Cundy added a lot to the relaxed casual atmosphere that also made you feel inclusive and not just that they were using you as an actor but you were included in the camaraderie and the the uh, anything that you would want to 
perhaps uh, ad lib or yeah. suggest. They were totally open to it. And I mean totally, totally in totally. the sense of the word, the real word, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but by the way, how many times do you say totally in the movie? Do we know? I've been told 11, but then I've also been told it's a college drinking game. And the, the, the kids that play that game, they've never seen the end of the movie. So I don't know. You have to, you have to take a shot every time it's said. Oh, so, man. <laughs> that was the funniest thing somebody told me. <laughs> I'm not surprised. They will make a drinking game out of anything, PJ. Any excuse. <laughs> but uh, I want them to see the end of the movie. So yeah, stop drinking. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they've seen the. I'm sure everybody has seen the end of the movie. I know. Uh, by this point, uh, you know. It, you know. It's really interesting. I want to get into talking about Carrie as well. But what was it like to come off of Carrie, working with a guy like Brian De Palma, and then you know, at that point, John Carpenter wasn't John Carpenter at that point. He right. only made he only made two features by that point, and they were low budget. Not a lot of people have seen them. But, you know, in retrospect, you worked from one master, you worked from one master right to the, you know, to, I mean, a couple of things in between, but, but you know, like going from De Palma to, to, to Carpenter, were there any similarities in the way they worked or how, you know, what were the differences or anything Just, like that? just the similarities would be the passion for the project, obviously, but with a big studio picture that De Palma got, you know, with the money that he had and uh, definitely took his time. It was three huge hour-long auditions with everyone that he thought would be right you know for the parts uh, yeah. different parts um and then uh, storyboarding everything on paper in his apartment where he held the auditions where we all sat around his coffee table and read all the different parts and they had screen tests i mean it was a pretty significant casting effort and and then just you know he had his director's chair that he sat in like he was the king and, and he was <laughs> but he had everything really figured out and then you were sort of the pawns in his project, although he also was open to ad lib because my my character of Norma was not in Stephen King's book. He added her. That was really my only scene was the opening of the of the the movie with the volleyball and I hit sissy over the head with my hat and the pins that I had on my hat catching her hair and I rip them out and I was horrified that I did that to sissy but she said no no it'll look great and yeah. because of that Brian and Daly's which he invited us all to every every day after wow, working wow, wow, wow. Um, he said oh that's great I'm calling your agent you're on for the, the rest of the shoot and you're going to be Nancy Allen's sidekick and I was like, wow, because wow. I really was only on for a week and then I got put on for the rest. And so every time you see me after that, all of that is just ad lib. And he would just throw us together and go, do something. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but yes, he had full control and loved his camera moves. He loved the, you know, uh, the... Um, crane shots he liked that that i remember that whole dancing with uh sissy and uh, oh, and bill cat at the prom yeah. oh my yeah. gosh you you couldn't have seen a happier brian so for him <laughs> a lot of the technical aspect of movie making a filmmaking was his forte and uh and the same also probably with john and with because he had the first use of the steady cam as we're walking down the sidewalk so both those guys were on it but Obviously, you know, we had the luxury of, of doing a few more takes with Brian right. and then uh, and then, you know, with John, uh, it was sort of just a quiet kind of almost like a home filmmaking as opposed to a big studio production. Right. So you mentioned the hat in Carrie. Did you bring that to the audition? How did that happen? How, where did the hat come yes, from? Yes, I did, because I had just moved from New York City 
um, to LA and everyone's like, you know, and I was a model. So you have to protect your face. Don't get sun on your face. So I had this red baseball hat yeah. and it was mine. And I worked to the famous audition with uh, George Lucas casting for Star Wars and Brian casting for Carrie. Although we hadn't, we had not heard of either one of them. We didn't know those projects. We knew nothing about them. Just as these two guys in our minds, old guys, but turns yeah. out they're probably the same age as I am. But in any event, yeah. and I walked into the room after waiting for an hour and a half in the hallway with every other teen in Hollywood. Um, and Brian turned to George and said, I'll put her on my list. He said, fine. And I walked out to go and he said, next audition, make sure you wear the hat. And every time I went to go, he said, make sure. And the first day of shooting, he said, do you have that hat? I said, okay, I have the hat. <laughs> wow. And then, and, and, you wore it with, and you wore it with your prom dress. At the... I did, and <laughs> I wasn't going to, but Brian actually asked, where's the hat? And I go, she's going to wear a hat to the prom, and Norma always has her hat. It was so funny. He was obsessed with the hat. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Well, I mean, it's really cool. And also, you know, Brian, visually, it's a nice red hat, so that's a nice... Absolutely. You know and then... Mean? Yeah, and because I wanted to stand out when everyone had their gym shorts on, I came to the set wearing my red satin hot pants, and Brian, all he did was laugh, and he said, okay, it's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, to do yeah. any, I knew at that time, even though it was my first movie, uh, although I had done many commercials, and I had done a soap opera in New York, and I had done modeling, blah, 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 but I knew you had to do something to stand out, because here yeah. I'm with all these girls who are always looking in the mirror and wanting to be beautiful, so I thought, mm. you know what, I have to be the tomboy, otherwise no one's going to see me. Well, it's great. <laughs> One of my favorite moments in that, and I and I just saw uh, Carrie. They had a, you know, Fathom Events does these things in movie theaters where they show movies on the big screen for the first time in a long time. And I went last year, just in, in October, to see Carrie again on the big screen. Oh uh, wow! Uh, and which is with one a of my split screen, it's the screen. It's much more effective on a big screen. It, absolutely, absolutely. I mean that whole sequence, the, the 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 walking up to the stage with the bucket and all that shit. Oh my god! Oh yeah, just the amazing. tension is great. Oh my god. But but uh, but to see you know to to see it on the big screen is is so amazing and I went and the place was packed and it was really nice to see like and I mean this was like right st- we were we were we had just gotten out of a, a spike in COVID and I expected like three of us to be in the theater but it was a really good crowd and we oh, were good. and we were there all masked and watching Carrie and just having a having a, a magnificent time now I you know I people I'm sure ask you about the story the infamous story about you actually. Uh, uh, punctured your eardrum because of the fire hose scene can we talk a little bit about that yes yes well dick Zyker was the stunt coordinator and brian wanted the fire hose to whack me my head around and break my neck or whatever was in his mind <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh and the the fire chief said no the, the, the force is too powerful and we can't really turn it down and then dick Zyker jumped up and said i'll man it it's okay i'll do it i'll take care of her and man the the power was unbelievable, and I turned my head with the force of the, the fire hose, and the blast went right in my ear, and mm. I just, the pain was unbelievable, and I just, uh, I think I blacked out for a second and just slid down those steps, and the grips came running and carried me out. I was soaking wet, of course, and uh. they brought me to the hospital, and uh, is that and, the yeah, take that's in, Is that the take that's in the movie? Yes, that was the last oh, time God. you see me. That oh, was it. God. And when I cringe, you see my face cringe. I can relive it every time I watch it. I go, oh, no, that was it. It oh, really no. hurt. But and I, my my hearing is better than ever though. But uh, I always try to joke around. But in did, any event, I was glad that it worked out okay. And then ironically, you, that was yeah. in Culver City Studios, and they took me to Broughton Hospital, which was in Culver City, and that's where I gave birth to both my kids. So oh, I look think at this that. is so funny. <laughs> A, uh, and, I've been here before. Yeah, and your and your kids have perfect hearing. 
So they do. <laughs> and they don't play with fire hoses. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Now, was that, your la- was that your last day of shooting, or did you have to go back? No, it was the last day of shooting. Oh, it was? The big finale. Okay. It was for me, yes. I think yeah. uh, I think Sissy obviously had some more, and, and right. she was wonderful. And, and Piper, Lori, oh my goodness. Everybody I mean, in the cast was everybody in the cast was perfect. The beauty of all these films, and I really think it, it has to do with the director, and, and but also the cast. Uh, obviously, the story is great, and the filming and the DPs are wonderful. Dean Cundy for Halloween and for uh, Rock and Roll High School. But uh, the, the genius was in the casting, because... Because for some reason, all these people, we all just got along as if we had known each other our whole lives. So yeah. it, it was just really amazing chemistry. Well, it's, it's you know, we've talked about this before, PJ. You were a big part of my, my, teen, my teen years, a, a very, a very seminal, seminal part of my growing up, of my, you know, of my growing up process. You were in a series of movies that, you know, like teenage Nick would go nuts over. And you were a major part of that. And of course I was in love. And with your you. dad. And my, yes, exactly. My dad. But no, I was in, I was, I was, I'm still in love with you. I, I fell in love with you even more after I met you for the first time. Oh. Um, but I was like, you know, I had a massive crush on you and everything. And, uh, 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 and so, but to be in movies in a row, you know, or, or it, that's that stretch of movies that are so important to teenage Nick. And I'm, I, and I, and I'm speaking for, I'm, I'm speaking for millions of people out there. You know, to be in Carrie, Halloween, Rock and Roll High School, Breaking Away, Stripes, all of these movies in a row or at that time period, these were huge movies for me. Like, they were seminal. Like, Aww. you know, they, they were movies that got me through my, my, my puberty and my teenage years and all that stuff. And I'm sure you hear that from guys around my age. I'm in my late 50s. And so I'm sure you hear that from guys around my age who are like, oh, my God, I saw, you know, Stripes 900 times. I loved you in this. I loved you in that. Do you hear that a lot from, from people around my age? I do, and I absolutely love it. I think it's uh, uh, amazing, uh, you know, especially because I, I was living the life, and and it wasn't like you guys watching it because it was a, re- a really slow rise for Halloween. It wasn't right away put out yeah, there and yeah. and accepted. But even so, as a young actress, you're not doing it except to get that next part. Like I said before, you're not thinking of. Uh, anything because you're not in on the monies that are to come. You know, we just got our, our salary, always low budget. So whatever, we were happy to get just to pay our $200 a month rent, which seems outrageous now. (laughs) It was so low, but to be able to make a living as an actress and all you would hope for is that you did a good enough job that your agent could say, look, she was just in this movie Halloween and it's, you know, here's some footage of it. And, and then you would get your next part. So that was the life I was living. It, It wasn't like a, you know, the same thing that you guys were experiencing watching the movies. But yeah. but being part of all these movies and having them live on, to me, I recognize now that it, it was they were definitely something special and how lucky I was to be part of it. And, and to mention, I, I did say my, you know, my son is in the Coast Guard. He's actually a commanding officer, which is amazing because he's, wow. he's 39 now. He's going to be 39. But he's out uh, on patrol, right? They do 60-day patrols. And on July 4th, he emailed me. He said, Mom, they're playing stripes on the mess deck. Just thought you'd like to know. Happy 4th. <laughs> so it's these little things that really make me feel good. Because I'm like, yeah. are they saying, oh, man, the commander's mom. Look at her. <laughs> that's, yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine that that's like, you know, uh, you know like, it's got to be kind of interesting. Well, thanks. For, th- thank, thank him for his service. God bless him, man. That's, oh, that's, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm amazing. very proud of him. Yeah, that's good. That's amazing. Right, can I ask you about a couple of TV movies? Because you mentioned you did TV movies, movies of the week, and stuff like that. You were in a couple of classics, okay? Um, now, was was Carrie before 
was was Boy in the Plastic Bubble before or after Carrie? Was it around the same time? No, Carrie was my first movie, and that's where oh, okay. I met John Travolta. And actually, I did my screen test with John Travolta. So we had several times where we had to meet at his, his apartment and go through our scene that we were going to do for the screen test. It ended up, you know, Nancy Allen got the part because I, I auditioned for her part. and that's So you read, you, read for, you read for Chris then? I read for Chris Hargensen, and uh, yeah. that's when Brian came up with the idea of, you know, we'll throw in his other part uh, of the okay. sidekick. So that was great. But he was very nice, and uh, he, he got along great with everybody. You know, at the, it was the beginning of Welcome Back, Cotter. And, and uh, so, you know, there were a few fans and whatever. But we didn't, you know, we pay attention. That's fellow actor, you know. It's like yeah, silly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he really liked me. And every time we went to the dailies and he saw my antics on the screen, he just laughed so loud. He's, oh, go have you be in this my film I'm doing next. And so he actually, you know, had invited me through via oh. my agent to be in the boy in the plastic bubble so wow. I, that was really fun he was a at nice that, guy at that point uh, the only thing that uh that travolta had done uh, you know before that uh if i remember correctly he melted at the end of the devil's reign um he's in the he's in the movie with ernest borgnine playing satan at the end everybody melts Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> well, that you, sounds no, funny. No, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. You should go YouTube it at some point. <laughs> okay. Uh, because Travolta's in the movie. I think he has maybe one or two lines, and he's one of the devil worshippers, so he's got like a hood on and, you know. Oh, and my he's, gosh. And he's got no eyes. They've done like the whole like no eye thing. Oh, no. So it's like black. Instead of eyes, it's black. And at the end of the movie, it rains, and all the devil worshippers and the devil himself, played by Ernest Borgnine, an elaborate, I think, Dick Smith makeup, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the rain comes down and they all melt. And one of the major things that happens is Travolta melts on screen in that movie. So you need to, (laughs) I definitely need to see that. (laughs) Need to go back and and check that out. Cause that's like, I believe that was his credit right before Carrie was him melting. Oh, okay. That's so funny. I wonder what, yeah. Yeah. Just remember it's called the devil's rain. I think it was 1974 or 75. So it was just a couple of years before Carrie. Um, But it's but it's hilarious. But yeah, Boy in Plastic Bubble, classic. Now the other one that you were in is a movie that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, um, and it was it's called The Possessed. Oh yeah, <laughs> with Joan Hackett and James Farentino. And Harrison uh, Ford. Harrison Ford. Doesn't he burn That's in that right. movie? He, like, burns to death in that movie, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I don't remember it. But I was in, I was like, because my dad had taken me to see The, uh, the Exorcist, I was freaked out by anything sort of possessed or exorcist. So, like, Beyond the Door freaked me out. Ruby freaked me out. Anything that was involved. And so this TV movie, The Possessed, scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, um, well, that was pretty brave of them to put that on TV at that time. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, it was pretty scary. Well, what was it? What, tell me about if you were, what, what you remember about making The Possessed with Joan Hackett. Well, I think we shot it up in, in Portland or Seattle. I can't remember which. We were at a girl, actual real girl school. So they flew us up there. And I just remember, again, a, a nice camaraderie because there were like six girls all together. You know, I had one of the smaller parts. It wasn't the lead. Uh, what is Ann Dusenberry? I think she was the lead, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Joan Hackett. Of course, we all knew James Farentino. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and Harrison Forty invited me and this other girl out, Susan. I can't remember her last name, and <laughs> he invited us out the first night. <laughs> oh, I thought that was, he's playing footsies with us under the under wow. the table. Wow. And I just kept saying, "Aren't you married?" <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so. That's my Harrison Ford story. <laughs> Harrison Ford taking you out and playing footsies with you. Wow. Yeah, and, they, and there were six girls, but I was the first one to say no, so I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard. 
but nobody uh, knew him then. But I'm sure afterwards. <laughs> now, wait. Now, did you? Now, okay. Well, now, did you come across him at the Carrie auditions, the Carrie slash Star Wars auditions, or did no. he already? Did he already have yeah. the part? Because he was in American Graffiti, so you he know, probably already had the part. Well, yeah. No, I have no idea. Like I oh, said, okay. none of us, none of us knew even what either the projects were. We okay. didn't know those two directors. Okay. It was yeah. just. You know, just go to this. So, <laughs> yeah. but Harrison Ford playing footsies with you—I love that. That's yes. fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. So that I'm glad I brought. I'm glad I brought up the possessed. I'm, I'm glad I brought. It's hard that. to eat when you're, uh, you know, when that's when going Indi- on. When Indiana <laughs> Indiana Jones is playing with your feet, that's a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. That is that's hilarious. That's great. But it, did you enjoy? Because you know, like, uh, and you also, uh, uh, I always forget that you show up in an episode of Cheers. And and uh, oh yeah, and I'll, I'm, I'll was, be watching. That was during well, that was during a time when um, what's her name? Um, who was the lead? Se- Shelley Long. Yeah, Shelley Long was yeah. was thinking that she w- didn't want to return, or she wanted to return as long as they paid her a, a larger sum. Right. So they were auditioning all you know with these little guest parts. They were seeing who might be ready to uh, replace her. So they got Kirstie Alley, and that was great. But so that. Basically, what my agent told me is to do your best because they're looking for somebody, you know, to replace Shelley Long. But it wasn't really for me. That's not the format I like. I'm more of an improv person. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like when a you know a group of twelve writers come in and criticize. You know, well, you put the comma in the wrong place. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it that wasn't my style. But uh, yeah. And and that that particular group of people had been working together for so long that any newcomer was like it was pretty scary. I, I didn't yeah. I didn't appreciate. That kind of a three camera show environment. Yeah. There wasn't. That's why I, I left New York. I wasn't really a Broadway, off Broadway type person. I, I really gravitated more towards film. So yeah, and you like the improv. You should have come here to Chicago to, to do some <laughs> to do some Second City. We love our improv here in Chicago. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I mean, you're funny in that episode. I will say that it's 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 always a. It's always a delight because I'm like, oh, there's PJ. Yeah, because I kind of forget. And, and, and Cheers is on like 27 different channels 15 times a night at this point, you know. I know. <laughs> and, I, and I always get residuals for $1.14. Uh, well, there like, you oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, the stamp is not going to be worth the check, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what, what about that, PJ? What, what are some of the when, – when, when you get some of these residuals, do you go, shit, I don't remember doing this. Do you sometimes get residuals no, for things? No, I no. Remember, I remember everything, of course, yeah. and I, I can even remember. Remember, even on on Cheers, for example, I had, had just my had just had my son, the commander, but my yeah. agent was uh, upset because I said I don't really want to go. She said, No, no, you have to, obviously, because they're looking for somebody to replace Shelley Long. This could be a good gig. You just had a yeah. baby, blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, you know, so that's my memory of oh gosh, wanting to get home <laughs> yeah. to my baby, and then after we filmed for the whole week. Then uh, Rita said, you know what, we have a a room in here. You could have brought your son and uh, we could have gotten somebody to help take care of him here. And back because back in those days in the 80s, uh, people weren't, uh, you know, weren't supposed to mention actresses weren't supposed to mention that they had children or babies or husbands even. So uh, and I had no idea, but uh, I'm glad things have changed and it's much more accommodating for, for people. You know, now they well, show too much, like breastfeeding, World Breastfeeding Week. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I like well, it, though. It's, it's nice. I think it's important. <laughs> well, um, uh, let's. I want to talk about a couple more uh, movies here, obviously, some, some classic ones. I understand that you were not, and we've talked about this before, you were not uh, aware or a fan of the Ramones uh, before you got Rock and Roll High School. 
Uh, yeah, it wasn't that I wasn't a fan. I didn't know them. I'd never yeah. heard of them because they were yeah. really a New York band. But Alan Arkish from New York and having worked at the Fillmore East uh, was well well aware of them, which is why he chose them over, you know, the Cheap Trick, I guess, which was the other content band in contention. Thank goodness it was the Ramones. So that when he gave me the cassette and I put it in, I, at the time I was married to Dennis Quaid, and I said, listen to this, I have to be their number one fan. And I put it on, I just went screaming around the house going, that's music? That's music? What is that? <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what, was, what, was, what was Dennis's reaction? He uh, kind of liked it. He right yeah. away sort of got it. But for yeah. me, the whole shoot, and until I saw them performing, and we were in the crowd, Day and I, and we were watching their 15-minute set, which was it just blew me away. I can't say that I still was willing to trade Joni Mitchell, the Eagles, Jackson Brown for the Ramones at that point. It took right. me a while, but now I love them. And, of course, when yeah. I watch the movie, I just love everything about that movie. It's the well. sweetest uh, I just love everything about that movie. Well, I mean, Riff Randall. I mean, come on, PJ. It's just <laughs> rock a, it's and just, roller. <laughs> it's just a great. It's one of the greatest female roles ever. I love you in that movie, Aww, and I thank and you. I love and I love the Ramones. It was a big movie for me. I saw it like I don't know how many times I saw it in the theater. And again, um, that took forever to get any kind of traction, and and including the Ramones, who never really got played on the radio. So yeah. if they were here today, you know, Marky uh, is, but. I just yeah. would would love for them to see the success. And again, it's another one of those movies that uh, that the, the the grandparents bring their grandkids, and they're all yeah. enjoying it. And I see so many families and seven year old boys and girls come up and they pick out a, the picture of the Ramones over Halloween, for instance, at a oh, horror convention, man. and they say, "I want this one. I love yeah. the Ramones." And I'm like, "You're yeah. seven? That's <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. How, so I can't you know, wait till my grandkids get to watch these movies. So. <laughs> yeah, that's great." Well, did you I get live to, on. <laughs> did you get Did you get to know the guys in the Ramones afterwards? And we hung out with them in, uh, over the years and stuff. Well, again, a twenty one day filming shoot. Yeah. But Dean yeah. Cundy was the DP. Awesome, and that was so great to see him. First day, he goes, "What are you doing here?" I said, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and yes, you know, as much as we could, we were working hard. And again, another, you know, three takes. If you didn't get it, we had to move on. Um, and we had to take out a lot of the dialogue that the Ramones had. Uh, because, you know, but it ended up there was just enough in there anyway. But yeah, um, obviously afterwards, you know, and then subsequent times, I got to see uh, Johnny uh, just before he passed away because Rob Zombie, I was in the Devil's Rejects, and right. he was having this big party at his house, a little barbecue outside, and he had invited Johnny, and I got to sit with him and. And because I had always heard that he wasn't a fan of rock and roll high school, he thought it took away their street cred and mm. made them look so cute and darling, which it did. But also, you know, they have their music in it. And that's what everybody yeah. loved, as well as the rest of the soundtrack was amazing. All the songs that are in it. Yeah. And amazing that Alan Arkish and Ed Stasium could secure those rights. But in any event, it was a magic time. And uh, yeah. I said, hey, we're going to live forever in this movie and you should yeah. be proud of it. It's like your hard day's night. And he went, yeah, that's true. So <laughs> it was nice to see him, you know. To get that uh, confession. <laughs> when you go, when when they have screenings of it, like, uh, and I know that you've done this. What's the what's the the famous uh, cemetery where they do the screenings in uh, Hollywood Forever? Yeah, yeah. under Ramon. She and does tribute every year. I mean, every they, year they do, know. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not during COVID, but yeah, I've been right. to to many of them. We we had the one where we actually showed Rock and Roll High School on the mausoleum wall, and we had Roger Corman there, and Alan Arkish, and Mary yeah. Warnoff, and Day Young, and Clint Howard, and even Vince Patton came. 
It was amazing. It was an amazing turnout and night, and all benefits cancer because that's what Johnny died of. Right, right. Uh, so she tries to do tribute every year, and it's always a big success and uh, a fun time. You you can picnic among the the tombstones, which is amazing. Yeah. Spread your blanket, take out your wine, and lean right. against somebody's headstone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've never done that. I have friends. I have friends in L.A. who've done it millions of times and say it's a blast to it's go to fun. screenings. There. Yeah, it's yeah. a blast. Well, I love that movie, and I love you in it. I think Riff is a, just a great you know a great thing. Well, and, and, and it's just a blast of uh, optimism and fun. You know, it's yeah. 98 minutes of just enjoy this time, listen to the music, and it, and it just it never gets dated for some reason. Same with Halloween. Yeah. It's a time capsule of the, the 70s, but really it's, uh, it's amazing how uh, it just reverberates today. And uh, yeah. friendships are friendships, people are people. And, and yeah, I have so many girls that come up and go, I wish I wanted to be Riff Randall in high school. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and so but, I'm, prou- I'm proud of the fact that I bought all the wardrobe myself. I really fashioned uh, her. Uh, um, I grew up in different countries around the world. I always admired and was envious of real American teenagers. But, you know, I, I got compensated. I got to be Riff Randall. So I'm yeah. very proud of that. And um, I feel very honored and grateful. Well, you mentioned, I think one of the keys to that stretch of films that you were in, PJ, is what you mentioned, is that they're timeless, that they work today as well as they did back then. I think Carrie is timeless. I think Halloween is timeless. Rock and Roll High School is timeless. You have a small part in Breaking Away, and Breaking Away to me is timeless. And I feel that way about Stripes as well. I think all of those movies are, are classics, and they are. You could watch them now, and they're just as great as they were when, you know, when they were made and when they were first shown. I think that's one of the keys. It's, yeah, really, really true. Yeah. Uh, so when did you first hear about, because, you know, a local connection here, Scott Lucas, who I know. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I have to mention Local H. When did it get back to you that whatever happened to PJ Souls became a thing? How did you hear about that? Um, well, actually, before the CD came out, because uh, they contacted my agent and wanted to know if they could do a photo shoot with me, reenacting me looking like Riff Randall, which I yeah. thought, oh, well, that's interesting. And mm-hmm. I didn't know about them um, when they came to do the, the the photo shoot in my daughter's bedroom because she had all the posters up, and I <laughs> <laughs> I got some bubble gum out and put on the stripes striped uh, mittens yeah. and uh so that was when you take out the cd the picture of me is underneath the cd yeah. but uh and heard some of their music and didn't hear about it for a while until i heard that they were coming to town they were going to play uh at one of the clubs here and i thought oh i'll go and listen to them and i bought two tickets for me and my daughter again shy high school student yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh when i got to to get my tickets they said oh no no we're, we're not charging you you're the guest you, you can be the you know you're scott's guest and i went oh okay thank you yeah. and then he i was up in the balcony with my daughter and he said we've got a special guest here and i'm singing the song for pj souls oh, cool. <laughs> of course my daughter sank and <laughs> turned yeah. red yeah. just like you watching halloween with her but, so she's had <laughs> she's had a bunch of experiences with me <laughs> which is fun <laughs> so that's, that's that was fun though huh i mean to have like uh, it was awesome yeah. it was awesome and then the only other story i have of that besides that i love the song and i have signed a few cds people have brought me the cds to my table i, but, I will tell you and PJ, probably in chicago i was gonna say her, I, would I was gonna say you're gonna get you're gonna get that here in chicago i guarantee yeah. it and so uh, when I did Devil's Rejects, I didn't really know much about Rob Zombie, except that when my agent asked me, you know, do you want to be in this movie? And I said, well, I don't know anything about him. I know he's a singer and it's not my kind of music, you know, again, yeah. Joni Mitchell, blah, blah, blah. Right. But <laughs> by that time, I already liked the Ramones. Now I have to like Rob Zombie. But <laughs> in any event, I rented uh, 
it used to be Blockbuster, rented House of a Thousand Corpses, and I called my agent. I said, no, 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 no. And she said, well, look at the, you know, look at your scene. You don't, you don't, I think you don't get killed. And so I said, all right, if I, if I don't get killed, okay. I didn't know Sid Haig at the time. I didn't know it was going to turn out to be, you know, working with such a wonderful actor. And I, and I actually love The Devil's Rejects. I think it's Rob's best movie ever made. Anything that he's ever done it's amazing i love it but so when we went to to film it was just one day and i thought okay well what can i bring him i don't know i'll bring him a copy of whatever happened to pj souls yeah and of course he played it all day long every time we'd stop the camera or whatever up oh, it'd go on so yeah. Yeah. a little annoying and then at lunch i'm sitting there eating my salad and he comes with his arms loaded with posters and pictures and just he pops yeah. down probably 35 items yeah. for me to sign while yeah. I'm eating lunch so. <laughs> so he's a fan he's a fan obviously he's definitely obviously. a fan in fact obviously. i gave him my original halloween script for his his uh what, uh, what was it his 30th no it must have been his 40th birthday party that's wow right. yeah because it was wow. right after we did devil's rejects he had a 40th birthday party and i'm not a party person i don't drink i don't smoke yeah. i don't do any of these things i don't go to yeah. parties i never was in the hollywood scene but this is rob zombie and i forced my boyfriend let's go out come on let's go and yeah. said, but now I have to come up with a present, and I didn't have the cover on it. It was it was it had a lot of notes in it. It was, and I thought, you know what, my kids have all these other scripts. And at that time, people I didn't think people were interested in this kind of stuff. I didn't realize it was probably it's probably gold, especially since it had things written in it, like see anything yeah. you like. I'd written in it after I'd written said it, mm -hmm. but um, in any event, wrapped it up. It was pouring rain. Go into the. The, the party and uh, put it on this huge pile of presents, this thin script wrapped in some kind of fun gift wrap. And then Nicolas Cage walks in with a shrunken head and everyone's surrounding him going, oh my God, oh my God, oh. Best, pre best present ever. And and so we're leaving and I go out and it's pouring rain and, and, and I, I go home thinking, oh my God, they're probably going to bring all those gifts to his car. It's going to fall in a mud puddle. Somebody's going to ride over it. It's, he's never going to get it. And it doesn't matter because Nick Cage brought a shrunken head. <laughs> Oh. Then at seven in the morning the next day, my phone rings. I'm like, ah, in those days we had answering machines. I'm like, I'm just going to let the, I don't know, 7 a.m. It's a Sunday. What? And it's Rob Zombie just going, oh my God, that's the best present I've ever given and oh. gotten in my whole life. I am going to look at it. I love it. I love all the notes oh. and I'm going to wrap it in, in a cling wrap and it's going in my, it's going in my safe and nobody's ever going to touch it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. And That's then he goes thing. on and does the, you know, the Halloween. So I thought, the, all right, that yeah. probably pushed him over the edge to try yeah. to do those movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So we can blame you. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can blame me, but also, how come he didn't have me be in one of yeah, those? Yeah, what the hell? Come on now. You know, and um, subsequent ones. Dee Wallace Stone. I mean, I love her, but come on. <laughs> 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 uh, you're starting a little feud here. Are we going to have a little feud? No, between... no, no, no. She's the best. No. She's adorable. I've, she's a, a lovely woman. I've met her yes. through Flashback as well. She's amazing. Before I yes. get you out of here, I, I do, do want to briefly hear a couple of Stripe stories. Now, because you mentioned, hey, I like to improv. Well, hell. Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, working with those guys, working with the, oh, my God, Harold Ramis. I miss him every day, PJ. Oh, I he was the best. I, he was I, the best one of the entire group. He Can I just say that he is... Um, you know, I got to meet him a couple of times because he lived right out in suburban Chicago forever. Yeah. Um, and he is one of my true heroes. I, I, 
for me, there, there is the holy trilogy, the trinity of comedy, movie comedies. And they are um, Animal House, Caddyshack, and Stripes. And uh, <laughs> there, there are, there's only one thing that those movies have in common, and that's Harold Ramis. Um, that's right. You know, he wrote all three of them. He directed one of them. Um, uh, and and I, I just, he's one of my comedy heroes, one of my filmmaking heroes. He made one of the greatest Christmas movies ever that no one has seen. Uh, the Ice Harvest with Billy Bob Thornton and John Cusack, um, oh. which is one of the greatest Christmas movies, one of the darkest and most twisted movies ever made. Um, but I love him, and I miss him every day. And, and you got to – well, I mean, Sean Young got to work with him more than you did. But you got to work with Bill Murray. Just tell me a little bit about – Yeah, but I appreciated him. I don't know if Sean did. <laughs> well, I, <let's> <laughs> I yeah. mean, he is the master of quiet sarcasm. And uh, yeah. if you – Everybody said, what was it like working with Bill Murray? He must have been hysterical. I go, no, he was very moody. But if you want hysterical, it's Harold Ramis. Uh, Everything he said was hilarious. And he always said some little thing under his breath right before we're going to do a take. Yeah, you couldn't stop yeah. laughing. You couldn't get your serious face back. Yeah. And you had to go, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I love him. The most intelligent guy I've ever met. The gentlest, most kindest, nicest person uh, ever. Yeah. Just the best. The yeah. best. Yeah. So. So, I, you know, that's so good to hear. I'm so glad to hear that. It just, it just fills my heart because, seriously, he's one of my heroes of all time. And, and Bob, when he died, oh, PJ, I was so sad. Oh, I, I, was, I was so sad. Oh, that my was, God. Yeah. Um, but no, so and how I much... knew his little, his first daughter, his daughter uh, Violet, from his mm-hmm. first marriage to Anne because mm-hmm. they were there, uh, you know, and, and Violet was maybe three or four on the set. So I yeah. love kids. So she was a doll. But, um, yeah, the improv, that kitchen scene, that was 3 o'clock in the morning. We are supposed to, the scene as written in the script was outside watching fireworks, going in for the first kiss. Uh, it was pouring rain, so we had to come into the house and uh, three o'clock in the morning and Bill goes right to the refrigerator, pulls out a carrot. And I said, what are you going to do with that? And Ivan knows Bill and he goes, bring the camera in here. Stop. Don't do it. Anymore. OK, set it up. Let's go. And it literally took 20 minutes. And then we went in for close ups and that was it. So, yeah, well, I mean, and all you know, I did was follow Bill. Yeah. Oh, when you when you saw it, were you happy with the final product on, on, on Stripes when you finally saw it? Because, you know, I mean, at that point, you kind of don't know what the hell's happening. Right. At that, you know how it's going to turn out. Um, well, you know what you've, what you've filmed. I was upset probably day three. Sean and I had a lot more scenes together, and we did one scene in uh, you know, our barracks, and I guess it, it just, I don't know, it just kept falling flat. Sean and I, it was the only time I really didn't have a good chemistry going, yeah. but it took a while. I don't know what happened eventually, but that was day three, and you know, you come in, you know, we're shooting in Fort Knox in Kentucky, I had to fly, and I had just finished another movie, Soggy Bottom USA in Texas, and flew back home, and then back right out again, but um, for some reason, then Ivan cut three of the scenes that we had that were just between Sean and I, so I was kind of upset by that, mm. and, but at that point, to me, it was only important to, to shine in the scenes that I had with Bill, and so forever grateful for that kitchen scene because yeah. you know who's your buddy what are you going to do with that right. and right. <laughs> stop yeah. it i mean that's just a cl- again it's a classic scene and all yeah. ad lib between bill and i so i thought okay good he didn't get the best of me yeah. <laughs> i stood head to head toe to toe with bill murray no, <laughs> that's a I mean, quite yep. a achievement <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite scenes that you guys have is when you're like telling them to get on the bus the whole the whole thing you know like you see this yeah I mean, that was the first day of shooting for us oh, so that, that oh, went well. very well now was yeah. great you see this mp you know what that means that whole thing i love <laughs> I 
You know, Bill was, but Bill was so great when the camera's rolling. But I do have to say, is that he was kind of moody and depressed when when he's off to the side. Well, but we all put up with it. I had to yeah. tease him a few times and go, "You're you're getting paid like what eight? Uh, you're getting paid a million dollars, and this is how yeah. you're behaving. Shame on you." <laughs> you know, you know. Again, Chicago, Chicago connection here. We've all, you know, yes. as, as lifelong Chicagoans, you never know what bill you're going to get. PJ, that's that's kind right. of what I. That's kind of. Well, you know, he's a genius, and there's a yeah. price for that genius, and so. Yeah. He has to sulk but the the beauty is when the camera's rolling he can pull it off and probably that that is a lot of anxiety and stress you know so i give the guy a pass well listen uh pj god i could talk to you for another 50 hours i don't want to take up all your time (laughs) i mean uh you know this is i have to sleep at some time you do have to sleep at some time but i but i will see you i will see you three days in a row Yes. Um, from August 5th through the 7th, which actually technically, I mean, we're, we're, t- we're recording this PJ, but today is August 5th. So I will just see you in a matter of hours. Oh, all uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, tomorrow, August 6th is when we will be doing, uh, your, uh, Q and a with John, John Michael Graham. You'll be on stage with my partner, Esmeralda Leon. Um, and we will be recording it for a podcast. And, uh, so I'll do your Q and a and we'll hang out and, It'll be a great weekend. And you know, Mike and Mia know how to run a, uh, run a convention. They're the best. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. And Matt yeah. Russell, who uh, I met on the first, uh, the first convention that I went to Flashback, and he's been a friend and a, a fan ever since. It, he, I inspired him to move out here and become a, a screenwriter, and he's been oh, working ever since. So That's great. And now that's he's great. running marathons. Yeah. Wow, really? <laughs> Jeez. Well, listen, uh, I can't wait to see you, PJ. It's been too long. And, and I've just, I'm thrilled that you and I have you know, I've been able to interview over the years that we've stayed in contact and in touch. And it's just, it means a lot to me that you're kind of, I consider you kind of a friend, PJ, and I, I can't Aww, wait to see you. Absolutely. And please say hi to your dad. I w- <laughs> Do you know, my dad's going to hear this and he's going to go, oh my God, PJ Souls just said hi. His, da- his name is Nick as well. So it's easy to remember. All right. Well, I love the two Nicks. So looking forward to seeing you soon. <laughs> Tomorrow, right, well, I mean. Okay. Yes. No, t- yeah, today. Later today. Today. Later, oh, yeah, later let's, today. Okay. Let's, con- let, let's confuse everybody. Why Uh-oh. don't we? That's gonna, I better get dressed then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, PJ Souls, thank you. Flashbackweekend.com is where you get the tickets for this weekend. Uh, PJ, I will see you in just a matter of hours. <laughs> okay. All right. Take care. PJ Souls, uh, everybody. Uh, and uh, a, a blast to talk to her. And uh, come out to Flashback Weekend and check her out then. We'll talk to Esmeralda right after this. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esma. I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Esmeralda Leon is here. Joins me uh, every uh, episode of the podcast just to hang out and talk. We love doing that. She's my partner in crime. And let's say hello to Esmeralda. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How have you been, my friend? I have been well. Yeah? Friend. I always, oh. I, I always miss you, friendo. I love that, friendo. <laughs> I always miss you on the, on the first Monday or Tuesday of each month uh, when we do the, uh, for, the for the people. And, uh, well, always, you know, always great for to the people, up. though. Yeah, but people like you. 
<laughs> yeah, but I don't have information how that, like consumer right. report. Like that's exactly. all very good. Like you, even you can, I'm like, what? Yeah, what do you mean? scam? What happened? <laughs> My favorite is we talked about uh, we on, on, on last uh, episode uh, with Herb Weisbaum and Tom Appel, our consumer guy and our car guy. With consumer guy, uh, we talked about how kids' identities are being stolen, like babies and kids. Yeah. Um, and so, like uh, one of the pictures that I found on the on the internet to put on to you know when I when I share the uh, episodes online and stuff, I put mm-hmm. a picture of a little baby and there was a bubble, a thought bubble over his head that says, "Wait a minute, I have a credit card." <laughs> so, that, I thought that was pretty funny. So anyway, uh, well, hi, hello, hey. Uh, you know, today is Friday, which means in just a few hours yes. I will see you at the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention, your first ever. I'm so excited. Uh, to come back. I'm so excited that, it, that you're going to be there and that you and Colin are going to be able to hang out. Yeah. I'm really, I mean, yeah, it's going to be our first time. Yeah. So I'm excited to take in the sights and sounds of flashback weekend. And the guest that I just had on uh, PJ souls, the wonderful PJ souls, you're going to get mm-hmm. to meet her and hang out with her on stage. And... No, I'm excited to meet her. Yeah. It's going to be so cool. So Esmeralda will be there as I've mentioned a bunch of times, but please uh, tomorrow, Saturday, August 6th, 1230 uh, in the afternoon in the big ballroom, AB uh, at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare is the very first recording, the very first live episode of the Nick D podcast. So we hope that you're there and, uh, and I'm very excited, Esmeralda, to, to have you there and show you all the ropes. And you'll get to hang out with Alex Winter, which I know you'll be very excited about. I know. I'm excited to meet everybody. Yeah. Just because you don't expect to meet a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, like, these conventions give you that chance. Like, Freddy Krueger, in a million years would I ever even think I'd be in the same building with that man. Right. Right. Well, he's there. <laughs> so this is really fun. He's there all weekend. It's going to be great. So anyway, but uh, Esmeralda and I will be on stage Saturday afternoon at 1230 doing this very thing, this podcast live in front of an audience. And I think we might have a secret guest. I'm not oh. sure. Oh, wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. And no, I is it love Carrie? Nick show. No, 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 is I, it I, Carrie I, Russell? I'm Carrie Russell. No, it's and not. I love it's Nick not, show. It's not Carrie God Russell. God damn it, Nick. Yeah, no, it's oh not. My God, it's not that'd Carrie. be insane, wouldn't it? Although Carrie Russell did work with one of the people that I will be monitoring, uh, moderating a Q&A with. Mm. She worked with director Steve Miner, who is the director well, of Friday call the Call up her agent. Part let's two. Let's get her there. Yeah, let's get her there. Reun- reunite her with Steve Miner. Steve Miner d- happened to direct a couple of episodes of Felicity, in addition to mm. Halloween H2O, Friday the 13th Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 3. Uh, and all that stuff. So anyway, that's a connection. But no, she she will not be there. But we I do. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I do believe in addition to PJ Souls and John Michael Graham from John Carpenter's Halloween, there's going to be, mm. I believe, a surprise guest, Esmeralda, Ooh. walking up on stage with us. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Well, listen, you know, uh, one of the last times we talked, we, we started to talk about this ridiculous uh, stackers. Is that what is the website? Uh, Yes. Stacker, well, Stacker. Stacker, sorry. I don't want to mislead people into <laughs> thinking it's a different website. Um, but they put together, like, uh, they kind of did a poll. Uh, of, you know, like, they, I guess they, like, rated IMDb users on what they think are the worst TV shows of all time. Mm-hmm, yes. And that's what they did. And we started talking about that, but then you and I got off on this tangent about uh, reality shows. And that yes. we, had to ta- we had to talk about that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but now we're getting back to the worst TV shows. Were there TV shows besides? Were there TV shows besides some of the uh, TGIF stuff that you watched when you were a kid that you look back and go, "Oh my god." Is it mostly just the TGIF uh, stuff? Yeah, it was mostly the TGIF. You know, I would catch the odd um, old episodes of stuff that would play on what I think was like Channel 50. WPWR, whatever it was. WPWR, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would just have afternoon shows like Friday. Was it Friday? Yeah, Friday the 13th, the series. Yeah, there was Friday the 13th, the series. Uh, which is apropos, you know, since we're talking about right. that stuff. And but Freddy's had nothing to do with Jason. <laughs> no, well, no, 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 no. Yeah, Friday the 13th the series it? had nothing to do with Jason. Okay, no, it didn't. Yeah. It was Friday the 13th the say. series. Yeah, and uh, and also um, there was uh, Freddy's Nightmares, to go back to uh, what were... Do you remember Freddy's right. Nightmares? I, I do not. I think I maybe have seen like one episode once a million years ago. But yeah. Well, yeah, Robert's on. Those... Robert Robert is on it. They got the real. I mean, it's the real Freddy. So Robert's wow. on that show. Yeah. But they had, yeah, they had those shows that were on in the afternoon, mm-hmm. um, like Saturday afternoons. Um, so, so the weird syndicated. Yeah, the weird syndicated <laughs> you know, stuff. Weird I, syndicated. I love weird syndicated shows because it's like, where did yeah. they come from? Who came up with this? Is this a real yeah. show? Am I watching yeah, something sure. real? <laughs> It's like, See, how did this get made? Exactly. Like, put the no, money in for that. <laughs> exactly. And do you ever, like, uh, you know, because I know, what was that, uh, shit, I'm blanking on it, the Canadian high school show uh, that Drake Degrassi? was on? Yes. Yes. That, that, I mean, uh, Kevin, that was Kevin, wildly popular. I know. Like, Kevin Smith makes 9,000 references in his movies uh, Oh, to yeah, he, he did an episode. Did he? He did, did an he? episode. Yeah, I haven't seen it all, but it was... The premise was that Did he's he filming it? a movie. I don't know. But he's in it. But he's in it. He's okay. filming a movie at Degrassi. So then you see him like there and he's doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are there are ton. He makes a ton of references to it in his movies, like Clerks Two. I know there's a huge thing in Clerks Two. Um, man, it's in, I think that it, it like four of his movies he makes blatant sort of references and homages to uh, to Degrassi. I have friends who I that was one that got past me. Um, yeah, I, I think I was also either I never saw it when I should have. Yeah. And then I've seen it like after the fact, but it, it doesn't doesn't entice me. Right. Me neither. I've never gone back even out of is, was Alanis Morissette on that, too. Because I know I she's the, she's a, she is a Canadian don't know. woman. I mean, yeah, she is Canadian, so they could have. Yeah. And I know that she was a Mouseketeer, so I, I, or, or something. And or she like, was a pop star. She was yes, a, bef- you know, old Canadian I, pop star. Right, a manufactured Canadian pop star uh, before oh, she got... Oh, so she did. She was on she Degrassi. Was in, yeah, she was in an episode where she plays a Canadian principal. I like how they have to say she's a Canadian principal. Like, <laughs> well, that's the thing about Degrassi. There's principals Degra- there. But, but that's the thing. <laughs> no, but that's the thing about Degrassi was the... the um, the real pride that they took in being Canadian, like they went out of their way to yeah. make sure that everybody knew it was Canadian. And, and to a certain extent, SETV did that too. SETV did that a lot. Like when they, cause that, that's the Canadian, you know, uh, uh, that's the, the Canadian offshoot of, SE, of, of second city. Cause all those people were second city Toronto. Yeah. And so SETV, you know, all those guys, Eugene Levy, Joe Flaherty, you know, uh, all those guys, they came from the Canadian, uh, offshoot of, of Second City, and they let people know there's something about being yeah. Canadian that people are going to let you. We're going to, you know, we're just not your little neighbor from the north. We're Canadian. We're a different country. 
Although they, there's something, and I've told you this before. I was watching a show uh, that was on Netflix, and there was just something that, like, I'm not in. I wasn't into it. Yeah. And I told you that it looked like a Canadian show. Yeah. <laughs> like, when they film Canadian TV, there's just something about it. You can mm-hmm. tell, like, it's not from here. <laughs> yeah. And it's not accents or anything. I don't know. They use a no, different film. You know what? It's, I have no it's, clue. No, but you know what, Esmeralda? I know exactly what you're saying without even trying to describe it. I know exactly what you're saying. It's like when you're watching a Canadian show, you're like, man, something's just a little bit, a wee yeah, bit Yeah, you're off. like, no one's, like, you don't hear, like, a boot or anything. All the time, yeah, yeah. You hear there's something. something well, you know what? The next it. time, the next time that I have Dan Feinberg on, which by the way will be uh, Tuesday, will be the next episode. Oh, there you go. Uh, you know, Dan's Canadian. He's originally from Canada. Oh. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to him about the differences between Canadian TV and American TV. I, let me. I'm gonna yeah, jot that I, down. I'm, I would be curious if he sees a difference. If he sees yeah. something about it. Yeah, and I'm it's gonna, mainly. I'm, I'm, I'm jotting it down right now it's because I'm yeah. talking to him. I'll be talking to him on the next episode. So so the one where I've like noticed it the most because I've watched a few episodes is this show. It's on um, it's on Channel 11. It's on on PBS mm-hmm. called Frankie Drake Mysteries. Frankie and Drake it's, Mysteries. Yeah. It's Does everybody their... in Canada have to be called Drake? Is that a. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's somewhere has to be in there. Right. <laughs> But it's about this lady. She's a she's a lady private investigator mm. uh, in like old timey. I want to say the twenties. Yeah. Oh, so it's, it's a period a, piece. In addition she's to being in Canadian, Toronto in the twenties. <laughs> oh my god! But there's okay. something like as you're watching it, like no, there's never really like an overt thing of like we're in Toronto. It's yeah, like, yeah, we're in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, the nineteen yeah, twenties. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, but, <laughs> but I know what just, you're saying. It feels there's a feeling like I, if you just watch Midway and you're just like, oh, what is there's something about it? Yeah, is this Canadian? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I know. And then you that. go, is this yeah. Canadian? And then you look it up and you go, oh, okay, that's what I was. Oh yeah, okay, all right, very cool. I'm definitely going to ask Dan about that. I will ask Mr. Feinberg, uh, Canadian. He's every once in a while I can still see him uh, say, uh, I can hear, I can hear the aboot. Yeah. Uh, I can hear uh, the way he says y- "you're welcome" or something like that. Like I can yeah, kind of yeah. hear it sneaks in every once in a while. He's, he he's been in obviously he's been in America. He's been in L.A. for a really long time, right? So you know that mixture of L.A. stuff. But every once in a while, and I'm sure when he goes home for, to meet family, he goes right back to Canada. You know what I mean? Starts talking. Oh, of exactly. course, yeah, because he's surrounded by it. Yeah. Does that happen? Do you do you because when you when you go back home to Joliet with with the family now when you when, when you lived at home and stuff did you speak predominantly Spanish when you mm-hmm. were at home? Yeah. So when you go back, is it? I mean, obviously you know that language, so it's not like. But do you ever slip back into like maybe a different sort of style of talking when you go back to your family? Mm, no, no, just just Spanish. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have. Um, I don't have an accent. Right. I was going to say, uh, it's not Spanish. like you, it's not like you, it's not just well, no, but it's No, but there is accents within, like, in Latin America. Right. Um, but my mom, because she is from, like, an area of Mexico that there is, there, she's kind of like in the Midwest of Mexico almost, where there's really no accent. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I speak Spanish, it's very, like, plain Spanish. There's no accent to it. Gotcha. Like, my dad's Guatemalan, and they have an accent. 
But he he's lost his. But then when he speaks to people who are from Guatemala, he like goes right back into it. And it's oh, very, oh, like, so that's a, sing-songy, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. Interesting. kind of way. See, I was being very stereotypical and and and, and uh, kind of jerky, thinking, oh, yeah, you, you, when you go back to Joliet, <laughs> you start talking Vato. You know what I mean? Like, you... Yeah. <laughs> Like you put a do rag on your head, and you know you got oh the sunglasses. You know what I mean? Like, it's, hey, hey, you start calling I'm not your from dad East LA. I Nick. was gonna say, hey, you call your dad, you call your hey, S, you call your dad SA and stuff. You know, like that. <laughs> That's not too stereotypical. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> oh man, That's what I used to. You, I don't know if you remember because you remember all the eight million looks that Bono has had. Yes. You know, like every year he had a different look and his hair, sunglasses, all that stuff. You remember when he was Vato Bono? No, which one was that? Well, he looks like he's. You, you could. I don't know if it's going to pop up if you if you if you actually. But he looks like Vato Bono because he's got like the he's got the bandana and the surround like sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And like seriously, like he looks like a Vato. Like you, you, and and I was like, what is what's he doing here? What's the look here? Is he like, like seriously? It's like Bono from East LA suddenly. You know what I mean? Like, oh what, wow! What are you I doing? Mean, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't have like a neck tattoo just for that look. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, what, <laughs> what, what's happening here? So anyway, all right. Well, uh, Canadian accents—they do come and go, I guess. So, all right. Let's get back to talking about some of these. The, now, have you seen Call Me Cat, which is on this list of worst TV shows ever? Um, no, because just from the commercials, it looks awful. It's I've not seen. I've I watched about ten minutes of one episode um, because I I was curious. It's weird though. I'm not sure why I watch it, except for the fact, and I don't know why I like Mayim Bialik, but mm-hmm. I. But I really do, despite the fact that every show she's been on has been bad. Yeah, there are. Um, like, yeah. like she was Blossom. I was too old for Blossom, so I didn't really watch Blossom. Okay. Um, that, uh, that, I mean, the, the, the Big Bang Theory is one of the worst things that's ever been on television, ever. Oh, yeah. Terrible. And, uh, I mean, I've seen her in a couple of other things, but I always like her. You know, like I like her on Jeopardy. I think she's great, and I always root mm-hmm. for her. And,. So I watched Call Me Cat, despite the fact that she has a reputation of being in the worst TV shows ever, and right. it's really bad. Like, yeah, really I bad. was I was just thinking about this. Um, how these? What do you call those types of shows? Single camera or what's those the... are those are multi camera sitcoms. Multi camera yeah. in front of a ca- in front of an audience. Those are like yeah, three, in it's front usually, of a live studio audience. Right. It's usually three camera setup. It's usually a three camera setup. Yeah. Those... By the way, you know who invented that? Who's that? Desi Arnaz. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Desi Arnaz, man. Uh, you know, uh, Lucy gets all the, Lucy gets all the, you know, like everybody talks about, uh, you know, Lucy doing this, but man, Desi was, Desi was a genius, man. Like he, that's, I Love Lucy was shot that way and no other show before that, that was his idea to do mm, that with the multi-cameras in front of the audience. That was all Desi. That was all Desi, man. So, you know, that's one of the biggest, uh, you know, developments in the history of television, all Desi. So. That's, well, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so you're talking about that. how it's been ruined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it just seems like there hasn't been a good show that, that utilizes in front of a live studio audience three camera setup anymore. Like, they all I, seem to just bomb. 
Well, they all they and most of the really creative ones are all like on film without a studio audience. The good ones, yeah, like your mm-hmm. like stuff like Parks and Rec and The Office. Like the the, the really good stuff um, seems to 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 be filmed single camera. Those are single right. camera filmed things. Um, but the whole like classic sitcom three camera in studio audience thing. You're right. Most of those. They're they're not real good. They're, yeah, they're garbage. Yeah, and I watch. I'll watch a Dick Van Dyke. I'll watch Classic. Mary Tyler Moore. I watch all of those, and I'm like dying of laughter. Yeah, like they're fantastic and funny, and this and that, and they're so they're way past anything. I mean, I wasn't even born yet when half of these were made. Right. So the fact that like these managed to be timeless, and mind you, it was the writing talent and the actors, but still, it's like, how do we not... <laughs> I know. How I, can was, we not do a show that's I, you know, decent is, that this way? Is a whole, this is a whole subject that we can get to, get to, maybe throw it out there for people. If you want to get give your suggestions, please, 773-417-6948, or uh, email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. What was the last in-front-of-a-studio audience... Are there good three-camera, live-in-front-of-a-studio-audience sitcoms out there now? Because the first one that comes into my mind that, mm-hmm. that was great that, that I think of immediately is Seinfeld as the last one. Because that went up to the, into the late 90s. Did you, you liked that show from Netflix. The, they redid um, oh one day at a time Rita Moreno yeah, yeah 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 one day at a time with Tobo my man Tobo was in there yeah and uh, I think that was that was that was great the audience um, actually the ranch with uh, Ashton Kutcher and Deborah Winger um, the, what well yeah no 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 seriously the ranch oh no but I can't I can't talk about that because Danny Masterson is in that what yeah really so. those shows who wrote that stuff uh, the the ranch yeah. I know Kutcher was an executive producer. I'm not really sure who was creatively, but Sam Elliott and Deborah Winger were on it. I don't know. I just assume that those shows are uh, no. I know. I assume they were written by Chuck Lorre. No, 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 no. It's not. And I actually, you know, went in with like, okay, I'll watch this shit, and it's actually really good. And it's a set. It's a Netflix show. Um, but I mean, you know, like you put Sam Elliott and Deborah Winger in anything, and I'll watch it. I don't care if Ashton, if I got to put up with Ashton Kutcher, but, but then, uh, but now like Danny Masterson is on, I can't, you know, you can't support yeah. anything that that jagoff does. So, but it's a three camera. It is. So yeah, yeah it's in- it's just interesting that there isn't. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure. Oh, so when people do, they'll they'll come up with somewhere. Where I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. But a lot of the ones that are on this list, mm-hmm. that um, they're three camera, in front of live studio audience. Yeah. And a well, lot of those, funny enough, are all of the Disney shows. Like, all those yeah. Disney shows, that that's how they do it. Yeah. They do three-camera live studio audience type right. situations. Right. But, yeah, they're all... I mean, all those well, TGIF shows... I, I can't... Yeah, no, I can't think of anything good. offhand. I can't think of anything offhand. Are there any modern-day three-camera live-in-front-of-a-studio audience sitcoms that are actually good? Uh, 773-417-6948. Uh, leave it for us. Or nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what you think, and we'll share that at at some point when we we can jump yeah, into that. Because every time, every time I see that there's a new show, and they're like, you know, so and so got a new show, and then you see it's a three camera setup live stream. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, yeah, it's gonna bomb. Yeah, because like That's who interesting, had yeah. one? The like they keep giving comedians those. Right. Does Keenan Thompson is that one a no? Keenan, that no, a his was filmed. Series. It was his filmed. Yeah, yeah, his was filmed. Yeah, and it was funny. It got canceled. Mulaney was a sitcom. Mulaney, that was a sitcom that was actually shot in front of a studio audience. But a lot oh, of the stuff, Lord. like all the all the stuff that Tina Fey does, is is, is all filmed. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like the 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 uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which was Netflix. That was a terrific show. 
and that was filmed. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, the, By the, the way, Mulaney is Mulaney is number forty-two on this. It's list. a terrible show. <laughs> terrible show. Um, and uh, you know, uh, like uh, uh, the uh, Mr. Mayor, which was not a good show, but with uh, Ted Danson, Holly Hunter, um, and the best part of that show was Bobby Moynihan, who was fucking hilarious on that show. Uh, but that again was filmed. So all the stuff that like war- or that Carlock and, and and Tina Fey do, that's all filmed. Very much like you yeah, know, like those like the heyday of the Thursday nights in the two thousands on NBC. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you had your office and you had your Parks and Rec and you had your Thirty Rock. Those were great shows, not in front of a studio audience because you can do retakes and change stuff and not worry. You know what I mean? It's a whole different, it's right? A whole different thing. Like I love that but show. Then... Welcome uh, the uh, to Dratch. Welcome to Dratch. Or fl- no, fl- Dratch. That's Rachel Dratch. I got on my mind. Flatch. <laughs> The uh, the Paul Feig uh, uh, pseudo documentary series about this small town uh, oh. with uh, with uh, there's no, there are no names in it. They're great. The, all the all the the uh, the characters are great. The only name in it is Stifler from uh, American Pie is in it. <laughs> um, uh, but it's a really terrific show. And that's another one. That's another example of not in front of a studio audience and not three. Yeah. cameras. like all the CBS shows. Well, not all of them, but the comedies. Well, all seem to be that three- they do. Yeah, like the neighborhood and uh, that Bob loves uh, Ashimali or whatever the hell that is. Yeah, that, that and then, those you are know, st- before yeah. there was that big, yeah, Big Bang Theory, Molly right. and Michael, Mo- or Mike whatever and Molly, was. Mike and Molly. Which, <laughs> oh, there which, you go. <laughs> uh, which Bob from uh, whatever he's on, he's that he's the Mike guy from that. But the only yeah. one that's actually pretty funny on CBS that's actually funny is not shot that way, and that's a sh- that's a show called Ghosts. See again, like, and it's not shot that way. It's shot on film. <laughs> I just, I'm so curious. Like, what is it that yeah. just does, is not making these shows good? I mean, again, mind you, writers, actors, whatever. But yeah, all of them. That just seems. Let's. There has to be at least one or two that are good. That's why. There's let's leave that out there. Be. You guys, you let us know. Okay, you you give us feedback. And then we'll watch it, and then we'll judge you. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We'll watch it with an open mind. We will. We will. We're just curious. We're just curious. Now, um, I would love to. I enjoy that setup. It's not sure. Bad. Of course, no, no, no. It's. I mean, look. Some of the some of the greatest shows ever are something like Sanford and Son, All in the Family, all those ones from the seventies. Oh, yeah, for those sure. Those are classic. Um, you know. So, uh, but but then again, not everybody who makes sitcoms is a Norman Lear. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are more Chuck Lorries than there are Norman Lear. <laughs> Norman <laughs> Lear. Hey, by the way, can I just mention one Chuck Lorre show that I actually think is pretty good? Mm, and I know it's, it's hard to believe. Have you ever watched Mom? Yeah, it's on... Uh, it, I don't know if it's on, on anymore. TV. Yeah, it's on syndicated. Okay. Uh, in so reruns. You'll, I can't, you'll catch it. Yeah, you'll yeah. catch it every once in a while. That's how I caught up with it. Because it's Chuck Lorre, which means I'm, I don't want to watch it. Because 90% of what Chuck Lorre does is shit. But yeah. this has got Anna Ferris and uh, Allison Janney on it. Um, mm-hmm. And Jamie Priestley shows up on it. Uh, a lot of people that I really think are good. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And, and I like it. I think it's really, it has really great moments. The thing about it is that it is, uh, uh, it's a really, you know, it has the sitcom elements to it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's set up, punchline, wacky, you know, three camera studio audience. It's got all that stuff. And yet it deals with, because at its core, the show is about two addicts. The show is is yeah. really about addiction, um, 
And uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I personally get drawn to that kind of stuff. I don't know mm-hmm. why, obviously. <laughs> um, How and could they, you possibly? <laughs> exactly. And I, and I find that it handles it really beautifully and really honestly in a way that I never expected a Chuck Lorre show to handle something as, you know, as sensitive as that. And they do mm-hmm. a great job with it. It also helps that you've got Anna Ferris and Alice and Janney, who are both great, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that probably, too, helps. I mean, I enjoyed, back in the day, Grace Under Fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was another one that was about that, too, that dealt with that. Um, yeah, and that was a good, and he, that yeah. was a uh, Chuck Lorre thing. Oh, it was? Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, I, didn't, I don't remember that. I, I just... think, actually, that may have been part of why it got canceled. Oh. <laughs> just, like, butting head stuff, I, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, that's what happened with uh, Charlie Sheen when he went off the deep end. But also, they... Gra- um, her name's not Grace. What's no. her name? <laughs> uh, I can't remember her name when she talks. Uh, talks like this. Brett Butler, Butler, yeah. Brett Butler, Brett Butler. I talk like this. She she had some issues. She did. Some addiction issues. Yes. When, and so, but still, yeah, I'm sure people were butting heads. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, but it was a good show. We'll get to the bottom of the show. three of the of the the mystery of the three camera studio audience sitcom. That's yeah, what it's going to be. I'd love to find out who, what. <laughs> Right. What people like to watch. All right, cool. All right, on this list is Deal or No Deal. Did you ever get into Deal or No Deal at the height of its popularity? Uh, not really. I Me mean, I watched neither. a few episodes. I just, you know what? I can't deal with, I want instant satisfaction. And the <laughs> fact that like they have to drag that shit on for so long. Uh, it's like just well, fucking pick the damn I, I'm, so, I'm absolutely with you on that and they did it for dramatic purposes and all the big music and all that stuff and Howie Mandel and he's an, a dickhead and so whatever um, but but the thing about it for, for me like I'd watch it and I'm like why why am I watching a show about somebody you know picking suitcases or briefcases why am I even watching this and for me though I'm one of those people who would get on that show and it would be like okay the offer from the guy is uh, $80,000. All right, thank it. Bye. You know what I mean? I'd be one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. I would last two minutes on Deal or No Deal because I walk in there with a buck in my pocket. If some guy offers me eighty grand, i am leaving. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay, I thanks. I mean, that's a good Bye. But then that's how gambling works. They Then they're like, yeah. but you could yeah. win this much. Right. Then they show you but, the odds of whether the million is in your briefcase and all that shit. I yeah. I never got into it. I never got into deal or no deal. Never. It's it's too slow. I mean, yeah. even even uh, who wants to be a millionaire is too slow for me. Yeah. Because I like to play along, but then they're like, "And we'll be back after this one question." It's like, yeah. Well, they always have Come to on. build. The, yeah, they always have to build the suspense. <laughs> I was. I will say this: back in '99 and 2000, when when. Um, Millionaire was hit the hit the hit the hit the airwaves. I I watched it religiously. I was one of those people that was hooked. I loved Regis. Did you ever try? Did you ever try to get on? I it? did. I auditioned for the the uh, the actual film uh, edition. The film? Oh, okay. like a movie? The movie edition? And you know where they had the auditions as brother? Because you had to go and audition, and t- you know you have to take a written test and then like kind of audition. Do you know where they? Because yeah. you had thousands of people are going to show up, so they did like two days. Do you know where they had the auditions when I went? Where? You ready for this? Are you sitting? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fucking medieval times. That's no. What they... Were you like in the? Uh... <laughs> we were in the. We were in the in the room. We were in the big room. Were you in the... the arena with. We the were sand in the arena. Yes, we were no. in the arena. Yes, I'm not kidding. You need to crawl through the sand that they. No, 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 like... no. We were all, we were sitting. We didn't have you know crowns and and big chicken leg turkey legs, but we were oh, sitting no. at the tables doing the test, and then they would bring oh, us. Okay. 
You know what I mean? But it was at medieval times when it was closed. Like it was oh, okay. like I thought you were in like, like the middle. No, no, no. It was, that wasn't like there was a jo- there wasn't like there was a joust happening while we were taking the test. You know, they didn't put no, us no, on. I imagine they, you're in the middle and you right. have to crawl through the whatever dirt sand that they have. No, 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 no. But it was there. It was right in front of us, like the big jousting thing. You know, we're trying to take tests. That's interesting. You know? How did you not make it? Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know what it was? I remember there was one question. That like, because Eric went too. Eric Childress. We both went at the same time, and he made it past the first round. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, well, then afterwards, I was asking him questions about. There were a couple of uh, apparently obvious ones that I missed. Like for instance, wow. um, I I like for instance. Okay, I'll give you one of the questions that I missed. What what, what um, was the thing the the cure all uh, end all cure all for any problem in my big fat Greek wedding? Oh, uh, Windex. See, now I didn't know that. What? I've only seen that fucking movie once, and I didn't like yeah, it. Me too. But I, I bet I did. I didn't. I don't. I don't remember anything about it. Like I saw it, and wow. I was like, and then, and for years afterwards, when it was making billions of dollars, I was like, what the fuck? Because I think that movie sucks. And so I completely. So that's one that I missed. So clearly, if I miss that one, yeah. I'm not going to make it past the first. Oh my god! Uh, look, you would have been like, like cut the first. And oh exactly. My, how embarrassing. No, it is. It is. No, seriously, it is embarrassing. I mean, especially in Esmeralda, no insult to you, but if you knew that question, then clearly. Right? You don't... No, but that's what I mean. Like, I don't even watch that many movies all the time. You're the one who's watching, like, every movie known right. to man, and you right. do not remember that. I do wow. not. Yeah. And I know it's embarrassing now, because people are like, what if everybody I know knows the answer to that question? I was like, I, I don't know. That was like the joke too. I like, know. I and I guess outside of the movie, like people I, would be like, hoo, 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 I guess going? I forgot. I guess I forgot completely. So anyway, but yeah, I never got into Deal or No Deal. All right. Wow. Um, well, we got to save some of these because we got off on a tangent about the and we'll, sure. and and, and uh, we got to save camera, some of these because, terrible shows. P- yeah, because PJ and I went a little long. I'm sorry, but when I was yeah, I, no worries. I got all excited. I was talking to PJ Souls, so I went a little long. Of course, <laughs> but, I'm amazed I'm even here right now. Well, like, <laughs> I would well, you know it would have been an all PJ episode. We, well, you know what? We get to talk to her live tomorrow. So uh, yeah. there you go, on stage with us, so uh, we can catch up with that. But you know what? I will ask Dan not only about Canadian TV shows. But also about, uh, uh, in general, the three-camera sitcom setup. See how yeah, that I'd be curious what he, if he yeah. has any that he enjoys that are new. Because I will get his, obviously, will get his feedback on that. The other ones sure. are great. That's, <laughs> that's well, no, right. Hi, I'm there's Carrie a point. Russell, and I love yeah. right. Nick's show. You have to leave now. Okay. <laughs> there's a point like the 70s, I think. Yeah. When you had the three. I mean, maybe you, the 80s. Yeah, I'm but sure like, in the eighties, but the, the, like I said, the, there it just got just like ruined. What, that's terrible. why I said the last one I can think of is Seinfeld. That's the last one I can think of. Oh right, um, yeah, that was Seinfeld. And Even though they did a lot of stuff on location, but anytime they were in anybody's apartment, it was the three camera setup. Whenever they were in Jerry's apartment, it was a studio audience yeah. with a three camera setup. So, and then if you want to start, we can yeah, because that's like early nineties. And it went it through to nine. Yeah. It did it's go like to ninety eight to mid. It ninety eight yeah. was his last season. So, but still, like there, that's a lot of time. It's a long time. <laughs> To time. not have anything good. That's over 20 years. So. That's, mm, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, okay. Hey, thanks, everybody, for being a part of the podcast. Again, if you want to be a part of it, uh, voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs. Be a sponsor. Lots of people listen to this uh, podcast, so you should advertise. 
Check us out. Contact us. Uh, sales at RadioMisfits.com. My thanks to everybody at Radio Misfits uh, and Ed and everybody. Uh, rate and review us on every platform and give us the feedback. And uh, so uh, there you go. And again, uh, the next time we uh, talk will be um, for episode 59. Dan Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter and The Fine Print will talk TV. And Esmeralda, I will see you in just a few hours at the Flashback yeah. Convention. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. Podcast.